Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to commanded by God to call to live, commanded to love, commissioned to serve. And out of that come our three core values. What are they, family? Live, love, serve. Live, love, and serve. We have been in this theme, it's bigger than you, for the past six weeks, and this is the seventh week. The first Sunday of the year, we talked about courage, really knowing that your courage is bigger than you. And then we talked about self-doubt. We don't always realize the impact our self-doubt has on others around us. And then sacrifice. Our sacrifice um, is bigger than you. Your sacrifice is bigger than you. And then we talked about anger. How many of us have been crippled by anger? And then we, the first Sunday we dealt with complacency. How often we forget that success breeds complacency and complacency can breed failure. And then last week we talked about joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We forget sometimes we have to assault against the onslaughts of the day by the power of our joy. And today on this Hope Center Sunday, we want to talk about healing. I'm going to be extremely brief because a whole lot of healing is taking place already in the sanctuary. God has already done more than we we could ever imagine. I want to kind of remix a scripture from this morning. So if we would go to the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke 5, 17 through 26. Here's what it says in the New Revised Standard Version. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on the bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questioning, He answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up 
and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you. We thank you for the spirit of worship that is in this place. We thank you, O God, because it is that worship, O God, that reminds us of the beauty and the gift of being in your presence. For in your presence, God, there is healing. In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, O God, there is restoration. And we celebrate even now the things you are doing in this place, in our lives, in this world. In this world, O God, the enormity of your power can shift the globe, but also touch us individually. And we thank you for that. That with all that is going on in this world, you still are mindful of us individually. And we thank you, God. God, let the worship of this house spill over. Fill this community, oh God. Let the praise of this house unleash joy in this community, oh God. Which means, oh Lord, we, we have responsibility to worship and praise so that lives can be transformed by the overflow. Lord, we love you. We love you so much, oh God. And we thank you. And we thank you. Even in that moment, we celebrate, oh God. We celebrate. And we honor you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You got to be quick when you up here, man. <laughs> Listen, let me remain standing. I want to read that again in its entirety. I know it's rather long, but I pray that even as I read that you glean something that speaks to you. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
When Jesus perceived their question, their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up, and take your bed and go home. Immediately, he stood up before them took what he had been lying on and went to his home glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen strange things today. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We can't imagine the countless people that we individually encounter in our journey, in our lives, not realizing that some of the people we've met, the people we know, that many of them are suffering, suffering from trauma, suffering from levels of woundedness that are sometimes so painful that they're beyond description. Every day we encounter people unknowingly who are not just suffering but suffering in silence by choice. By choice because tragically, we are not always consistent in creating spaces and places where people can be transparent about their pain. We don't always, again, create safe spaces where people feel like their vulnerability will not be interpreted as weakness. And because we don't always create safe spaces and places like a hope center, there are countless people who we pass by daily and continually suffer in silence. Some of you in here today, although your mouths were open in praise, in thanksgiving, and in worship, you still wonder, are you in this space by yourself? Again, because of the level of suffering you experience. One of the most dangerous things we could ever do when we are in those moments of suffering induced by trauma, pain, damage, is to think that somehow the best way to serve ourselves is to be in isolation. I know there are more than a few of us in here who have been in those places that we have carved out just for ourselves because we somehow feel that disconnecting can somehow take away 
the pain. But in many ways, the disconnection becomes a tool of adverse emotions that are seeking to undermine the possibility of your healing. Because that distancing and disconnecting that deepens the angst is not the pathway to healing. I've had moments in my life where I felt so broken that even speaking was difficult. And I know I'm not the only one here. Where there have been moments where what you are feeling, your anguish that is etched on your countenance becomes visible because there comes times in the midst of your silent suffering when the suffering becomes visible because the silent can't remain so any longer and in those moments I've been fortunate and blessed to be surrounded by people and sometimes it's a person who senses and sees what you're going through. Who is on assignment to break you out of the prison that your isolation created. I'm telling you what I know of. You can call them your personal angels, your guardian angels, but I know that every now and again there are people who feel an overwhelming compulsion to be with you in your time of sorrow and suffering and not just be with you, but then also feeling compelled to pull you out of what you're in. There are so many superficial ways by which we measure friendships. So many superficial ways by which we measure relationships where the truth of the matter is one of the ways that are beyond the superficiality of some friendships is when you have people in your life who are not afraid or scared off by the nature of your trauma that has been revealed. Who after the revelation of your trauma and your pain they not only remain, but dig deeper into the relationship because they know that God has placed them on assignment to be part of the rescue mission, to pull you out of those places of despair. And maybe in this time right now, we need those kinds of relationships more than ever. Especially now when deaths of despair are on the rise. Yeah. By deaths by addiction and suicide and alcohol and all of these deaths of despair. With so much at our fingertips, still so much seems so far away. Again, that's why there are people around you who are on assignment to be with and to pull you out. Maybe that's the new standard in this age for some, that you measure the nature of your relationships. And it's not always that they pull you out with an answer. They pull you out believing in the possibility. I hope you get this today. 
Somehow they know that that partnering with you in your innovative path to your healing is important as you make your way to the place of your deliverance being with you standing with you they may know they don't have the capacity to bring about the healing but they know that when the healing comes you won't be by yourself that's why I love this scene two people who do not travel alone one person had healing the other had help. Oh, you'll get this. The scene said that Jesus had the power of healing on him. And this man who had been paralyzed had help with him. Something happens when healing and help meet. When, when, when God's healing meets helping friends who love you so much that they won't leave you in your brokenness and leave you in your despair and leave you in your damage that their friendship is not superficial they will make sure that they do whatever they can to put you in the place to receive the healing you need they know who to call, who to contact, where to go, where to take you, what to say, what to do in those moments. Those are the kinds of friends you need in your life. I know you got friends to party with and I know you got friends to hang with and I know you got friends to eat with and I know you got friends to drink with. But I want to know, do you got friends who participate in the restoration of your sanity when you feel like you're about to lose your mind? Who are willing to partner with you in your pain so they can celebrate the possibility of your healing. He had those kinds of friends who would do whatever it took. Oh God. Whatever it took to get him not the healing but in the right position. It said that they, they tried to get him in front of Jesus. And when the way was blocked, they didn't take him back home. Oh, you'll get this. You see, I know you believe that God can make a way out of no way. But I want to know when you tap into your own power, can you make a way? When it seems like there's no way. It said they started digging through the roof. Pulling pieces of the roof out. Because they were committed to their friend's restoration. Oh my God. What friends you got around you. What walls are they climbing for you. What heights are they leaping for you. Who's in your corner. Who's trying to do whatever it takes. To make sure you're better. And whole. They tore up a house so he could get his house in order. They, they broke in so he could break through. They, uh, 
when helping hands meet a healing redeemer, God begins to move. If you, if you retreat into places of isolation, I pray you have people who love you enough, who are willing to stop the movement of their lives to make sure your life gets back in order. I need friends like that. I don't need sentimental friends. I need friends who want to dig in to my trenches, who who want to enter my filth, who who are not ashamed of my wounds, who don't get scared off by my pain, who, who say no matter what you're going through, I will make sure I won't leave you till you get right. I, I won't walk away from you till you're restored. What kind of friends do you have? I don't need brunch friends. I need friends whose memory is so strong with their own brokenness that they can recognize the brokenness of someone else and then reconcile in their own spirit that I will not leave you until your brokenness is mended. There's people who will come to visit you in the hospital, but there's different people who will sit with you in the emergency room until something begins to happen. See, y'all, y'all missed that. Y'all don't even understand that. You see, I've been to some emergency rooms where you don't get to see a doctor for two, three, four, five hours. And there's some folk who drop you off at the emergency room. And then there's folk who will come to visit you once you get a room. But I want the folk who will stay there in the midnight hour who will stay with me until the doctor sees me. Oh, y'all missing that right there. Oh, he had those friends. Said whatever it takes. I love that they are not given a name and he's not given a name. That means you can put yourself in that place at any moment. And I want those friends, I want those people who are willing to do damage to see my deliverance. They lower him to put him in the right place. Because he couldn't get in the right place. I'm going to let y'all take that. On his own. No, 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 no. You missed it. You got some folk who think they're the source of your healing. You got to tell them, no, get me in the right position. See, that didn't hit you the right way. If I get in the right position, the power will flow. I don't need you to try to convince me you got the power. Just get me in a position. Help me get where I need to be to experience the flow of God's power. Some of y'all are here right now. Had no intention on coming to church today. But you got that call. You got that text. And somebody said, listen, I need to go to not church. I need to help you get in position to feel the flow of God's power. Okay, I'm going to let y'all go today. Listen, 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 listen. They get them there. Jesus said, I move real quick. They get them there, and, and Jesus sees them. 
Now, what I love about Mark's gospel, I'll come back to this another day. If you ever read Mark's gospel, Kendra, Mark's gospel suggests that the house was Jesus's house. Go read the book when you get a chance. <laughs> they get them there. Luke's gospel doesn't suggest that. And Luke's gospel, they get them there and Jesus sees them. And Jesus sees him. And Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. All hell breaks loose. Now you got the God blockers, I called them at 7.30, 8 o'clock. The God blockers showed them and said, hold on, wait a minute. We don't care about no healing. Who are you? Hold on. That means God blockers always miss moments. They, they, they never saw what really transpired. They said, who are you that you can forgive sins. They didn't even fully understand that what Jesus did was engage in a radical distribution of divine power. Because their thought, see, I need to say that. The radical redistribution of God's power. Their thought was the only one who could forgive was God or the mediators, the priests. What they were arguing about wasn't God's or blasphemy against God. They were mad because Jesus was then eradicating their necessity to be the mediators between God and people. Jesus was unleashing and redistributing God's power because if he could say you're forgiven, guess what? Then you could say someone's forgiven and then you could say someone's forgiven and then you experience a divine connectivity because it's the only place in the scripture where the perfection of God through us is possible. Remember, when he says when you love your enemies, you have the chance to be perfect as God is perfect in heaven. Oh, which means perfection doesn't necessarily have to ha mean that you dotted every I, crossed every T, you never made a mistake. It said that you have the capacity to love enemies and offer forgiveness and show them the love of God. Somehow, loving becomes a sign of closeness and proximity to God. They get upset. I'm trying to get out of here. They get upset. They make a big deal. But their anger and their blocking initiates his breakthrough on the second level. Level one, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he thought his affliction was connected to sin. And he said, no, sin's forgiven. No law. For those who don't fully know, I know I got some seminary students here. When you get a chance, go back, preachers, and look at the tents of this particular sentence because a tense suggests that it's a past tense hold on not your sins are forgiven your sins been forgiven y'all missed that that means that he been carrying around the emotional trauma and not realizing that his sins had already y'all don't get it y'all don't get it Y'all don't get it. He thought he needed something done at the moment, not seeing it had already. Y'all missed it. You came to pray, but you was already late. Because God already. Yeah, see, y'all don't get that part. See, that's why sometimes our praise is late. We're praising for what we think needs to be done. You should be praising for what God already did. Before you thought about your needs, God already met needs. I wish I had somebody in here today who could say, God, I bless you. Because before I open my mouth to verbalize what I think I need, you've already stepped in. And did what I needed. So they, they get mad. Then Jesus, 
She's like, all right, listen, listen. Y'all making a big deal about that. Now watch this. He said, I want you to wear it. Is it easy to say your sins are forgiven or to take up, stand up and walk? This is deep. Because you would think the harder thing is stand up and walk. The true harder thing is to deliver someone from emotional bondage. Physical restoration is easy. Because there are people in here right now. You've been physically restored but still emotionally broken. He said, but since you can't really gravitate towards the damage that emotions can have, let me do the physical part so you'll believe that I have authority. Oh, gosh. He says, stand up and walk. I got to go, but stand up. Now, here's the other thing. I wonder, I wonder, was it just that Jesus had so much power? Because remember, when he had healing, it was to say you're forgiven. Y'all didn't see that connection. The healing wasn't to get up. It said the healing of God was on him, and the first act with the healing power was to forgive. Read that when you get home. So that the healing power was for forgiveness from, so that he can be emotionally restored to not carry the weight of sin and affliction. Yeah, y'all missing this. The healing wasn't to make him walk. The healing was to make him right. Y'all gotta get this in your head here. So now, when he says stand up, there's nothing qualitatively different about what he said and what you can say. Oh, there it is. No new formulaic concoction. No divine words. Stand up. Okay. Three minutes. Listen. Sometimes people can't speak words to you because one, they don't believe in the power of their words. And two, they accept your condition. So they don't always know what to say because they speak out of the assumption that your condition will not leave, nor do they have the power. Nothing big. Stand up. Stand up. Maybe Jesus wasn't speaking to his legs, he was speaking to his mind. Maybe you stopped thinking you could get up a long time ago. You've been down so long that getting up never crossed your mind. See, you missed that. You've accepted your space and place so long you didn't expect, believe that the opposite could ever happen, that you could come out, you can get out, you can be better. You accepted it, and all Jesus said was stand up. I don't want to speak to your body because that ain't the issue. It's your mind. What are you thinking? How do you feel? What do you see? What do you want to do with your life? And it said, immediately. That's the part. See, the emotional healing is different. But he said, stand up. And immediately, he gets up. Picks up. No, 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 no. Let me say it differently. He carries what had been carrying him. Yeah. I, can't, I can't stay there. We got to go. I'm going to say it again. He carried would have been carrying him. For a long time, he thought would have been carrying him was necessary until he carried it. Y'all take that when you get home. 
And here's the part. When he did both emotional and physical, the God blockers had nothing to say. What you going to say now? But I love this thing. It said the man went home glorifying God because of what had happened in his life. He glorified God because of what had been done in his life. He glorified God because he was no longer what he was. He glorified God because he had been restored. He glorified God. Hold on. Not just praise God. Glorify God. My whole being acknowledges the divine encounter. I glorify God. That means the Shekinah of God is reflected back to God through the glory of my acceptance of divine power resting in my being. That when God sees your restoration, God sees God's glory. That your wholeness is a reflection of the glory of God. And when you are in the glory, you can't help but to glorify. When was the last time you glorified God? With your whole being, you let the light of your restoration shine before God. At the end of the day, I'm not as invested in whether or not you came here today and had a good time. If you want to have a good time, there are plenty of shows downtown. But if you want to feel and experience the glory of God, that's a different agenda. The glory works when you're unaware that it's moving. It creeps into the places you thought no longer existed to bring about healing and wholeness. And so if you had a good time here today, wonderful, but I need you to leave here with healing on the agenda. I, I, I want you to know that how you are if it is not who you know yourself to be, that how you are doesn't have to define you. Healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. Healing means the damage no longer has control. No longer has control. So stop speaking out of your damaged narrative. And start showing the glory of God. Start, stop speaking out of the narrative of your woundedness. And start declaring what God has already done in your life.
You weren't birthed just to be bruised. You weren't birthed just to be broken. It is part of the journey, but wholeness and restoration and joy and glory are what you were created for. I want you to leave here as a living, breathing testimony and reflection of the glory of God. When you walk out of here, blind people with your light. But that is the glory of God. Let them see who you are. Still growing. Still evolving. Still flourishing. Still thriving. Let them know that you're healing on purpose and evolving. What does that mean? You got hope. You have hope today. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.